Chapter Six of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mrs. Silas Pettibone's baby, though as yet blissfully ignorant of the fact, was quite as much in the Innisfield public eye as Woodrow Wilson or the Duchess of Marlborough. Indeed, for the first weeks of his life, he might be said to outstrip either of the aforementioned personages in the interest and excitement he stirred up. As Miss Malvina Bennett had foreseen, no sooner had the news of his arrival percolated through the village telephone system, a process materially assisted in its onward course by the prevalent party wire, than the shrill doorbell of the parsonage began to announce numerous visitors from every quarter of the parish. It was almost as thrilling as election day or a church fair. Old neighbours met at the gate or on the minister's front porch and paused to exchange spicy reminiscences of the past, mingled with comments and prophecies concerning the new baby, whom the female portion of the community were privileged to look upon as he reposed in his old-fashioned cradle in the parsonage spare room. The trained nurse from Boston, in her white uniform and stiffly starched cap, opposed an equally stiff resistance to the tide of parochial curiosity which sought to overflow into the chamber beyond where lay the baby's mother but when mrs deaconess buckthorn happily recovered from her late attack of neuritis mounted the stairs it was felt that all barriers must fall i shall see our pastor's wife of course she had announced to a ring of attendant satellites who followed her progress with eager interest as president of our ladies aid and missionary society it is my privilege and as the sabbath school teacher of filiora rice it is my sacred right providentially or otherwise the nurse from boston had descended to the kitchen where mrs wessels was thoughtfully absorbing a cup of tea in an effort to keep up her strength till she could rub off the few pieces of the weekly ironing therefore no stiffly starched presence opposed mrs buckthorn's dignified progress as she sailed past the open door of the room where the baby still unconscious of the greatness thrust upon him was holding court mrs pettibone looking very small and weak as she reposed among her white pillows opened her eyes with a start upon the large sombre figure standing at the foot of her bed mrs buckthorn was gazing down at her with the dubious mixture of curiosity and resignation the minister's wife had noticed at uncounted funerals when the wearer of that large fortress-like bonnet bristling with time-defying feathers advanced to view the remains she gasped a little and glanced about rather wildly for the soothing white linen presence which she remembered had left the room only a moment before in quest of gruel well filiora intoned mrs buckthorn i have seen your baby and i felt i could not leave the parsonage without a word with you you're looking as well as can be expected how do you feel mrs pettibone reflected vaguely she hadn't thought much about her feelings since the baby came it was enough to lie quiet and happy in the still room and at intervals find the baby's downy little head and questing mouth against her breast she smiled i am i think i feel very well thank you let me see 
pursued Mrs. Buckthorn strongly. The baby is a week old, I believe. A week tomorrow, corrected the baby's mother. When my Marie Isbel was a week old, I sat up in a straight-backed chair and read my Bible for an hour, stated Mrs. Buckthorn. And that same day I'd done the family mendin', Lord helpin' me, Deacon Buckthorn's socks and the boy's knee-pants and all. The day after that I was out in the kitchen attending to my household duties as usual. I never indulged fleshly lusts by remaining in bed to be waited on by a nurse from Boston. Mrs. Pettibone trembled visibly and sought for her handkerchief. She was still very weak. I suppose you know Louisa Wessels is camped down in your kitchen, doing the housework regular by the day, pursued her visitor inexorably. Besides, that woman dressed in white that spends all her time waiting on you. It must be an awful expense to our pastor. But perhaps you haven't thought of that. How much do you pay your trained nurse by the week, Philora? Mrs. Pettibone gazed piteously past her inquisitor. She was sure she heard the baby crying. She raised herself on one elbow, the better to listen. Oh, it won't hurt him none to cry, said Mrs. Buckthorn. I guess the ladies have been weighing him. I hope you and Mr. Pettibone wasn't a party to it, Philura, but Malvina Bennett's been a-telling all over the town that the baby weighed nine pounds when he was born. It's an awful thing, Philura, for an immortal soul to start out on its journey through this veil of tears with a wicked lie around its neck. If you or our pastor knew, and you must have known, he weighed only six and a quarter with all his clothes on. It was your duty. He's been caning, broke in Mrs. Pettibone eagerly. Miss Sedgwick weighed him this morning, and she said... Mrs. Buckthorn wagged her feathers ominously. "'I'm afraid not, Philura. Your child looks very feeble to me. Nothing like mine at the same age, and others think so too. You ought to be prepared to bow your neck submissive to the Lord's will, Philura.' "'I am.' declared Mrs. Pettibone. Didn't God give me that baby? A delicate crimson had begun to burn in her thin cheeks. Her blue eyes under their childish brows gazed up defiantly at Mrs. Buckthorn's granite front. Take care, Philura, warned that lady in a hollow voice. Your ideas on sacred subjects is getting to be pretty well known in this here community. I'm sure I don't know what we're coming to when our pastor's wife sets herself up in us understanding the ways of the Almighty better than the creeds. I'm thankful God's ways are better than the creeds, willfully misconstrued the small lady from among her pillows. What did you say, Philura? demanded Mrs. Buckthorn sternly. Would you be willing to repeat that, standing up among the goats before the great white throne? Answer me. But Mrs. Pettibone, 
harassed by the mingled sounds of her visitor's nasal tones and the continued wailing of the baby seemed incapable of a reply she began to cry instead i see that an awakened conscience is doing its blessed work in your heart philura pursued her tormentor don't hinder it and that reminds me i failed to see your bible anywheres about i thought of course i should find it to hand in this house i should love to read a few words from the psalms and engage in prayer before i leave you need it in pursuance of this pious project mrs buckthorn began rummaging busily amongst the various articles on mrs pettibone's bureau hmm a nursing bottle i thought you'd have to come to it at your age well i declare i guess very few of us would think we could afford a large flask of cologne with the world in need as never before whisky as sure as i live what does this mean in the home of our pastor oh my what a terrible example to set before the youth of our community i shall certainly speak my mind to mr pettibone before i leave this house and still i find no bible but perhaps your nurse from boston has concealed it in one of the bureau drawers what a sad story i shall have to tell if i cannot find that blessed book well i must say i am surprised and grieved philura extravagance and display are surely out of place in the parsonage if nowhere else comfort and cleanliness do not call for embroidery and no lace such as i see on these here garments and still no bible oh, but i do find here halt on the care and feeding of infants is this a proper substitute for your bible philura mrs pettibone had hidden her face in her pillow she was thinking confusedly that she must not listen to what mrs buckthorn was saying that she must be calm quite calm and tranquil otherwise the baby might have the colic miss sedgwick had said so and miss sedgwick knew mrs buckthorn had carried on her pious quest as far as the washstand when she was deflected from her purpose by the sudden appearance of a tall erect person panoplied in spotless white and bearing a napkin tray in the midst of which was set forth a steaming bowl this individual spoke no word but there was that in the militant gleam of her eyes which caused mrs buckthorn to hastily abandon her self-imposed task i was just looking for our pastor's wife's bible she explained but her voice had somehow lost its fearsome quality i didn't see it nowheres around on the mantel-shelf nor the table no confirmed the white linen presence briskly i took all the books downstairs the first thing they harbour dust and germs she held the door invitingly wide i don't allow visitors she added you may tell the others the wailing baby was being vigorously trotted upon mrs scrimger's knee while an admiring and resourceful audience looked on when mrs buckthorn appeared 
much ruffled as to her spirits. Did you see, Philura? How does she look? I wonder if I might step in just for a minute, uprose in unison. That woman from Boston, began the wife of the senior deacon, is a child of Belial, if ever I see one. She actually had the brass to tell me. With a sudden swoop of ample white draperies, the woman from Boston descended upon the group of matrons and salvaged the baby. You'll have to excuse me, ladies, but it makes my patient nervous to hear him cry, she vouchsafed over her shoulder as she bore away the small bundle of lawn and flannel. There followed the sound of a door firmly closed. Well, did you ever, Mrs. Scrimger wanted to know. Oh, ain't we stylish, contributed Miss Electa Pratt with a girlish giggle. I ain't said anything to you ladies about it before, but now that Ma's passed away, I've been thinking of taking up nursing myself, and I offered to do it for Flora and the minister, pouring his tea and things like that, for nothing. But it seems I wasn't good enough for her. She said Mr. Pettibone wanted a trained nurse. All of us ladies could have took turns, sighed Mrs. Buckthorn. The thought had come to me. And what a blessing our consecrated zeal might have proved in this here household. Prayer and praise from morning till night are going up like an altar of sacrifice. Maybe it would have turned out to be one mused Mrs. Puffer, who had just run over with an extra crib blanket. But when pressed for an explanation, the little woman blushed very pink indeed, and said she guessed she didn't mean anything much. She added that being so constantly with the children made her sort of absent-minded. That same afternoon, as was his custom, the Reverend Silas Pettibone emerged from his study, where he had spent the morning endeavouring to wrest the meaning from a cryptic Pauline saying, and ascended to his wife's room. "'Well, my dear,' he began, after kissing the shining pale face upturned to his, "'I hear Mrs. Buckthorn called to see you this morning.' She stopped in the study on her way out. "'I was rather sorry. I am... Um, I'd supposed Miss Sedgwick had a... Uh, interdicted...' The nurse who was engaged in folding large squares of white cheesecloth into infinitesimal triangles, turned quickly around. "'The woman sneaked in, sir, when my back was turned for an instant,' she said. "'I don't know what she did to put my patient all in a tremble, but I shall turn the key in the lock after this when I go down to the kitchen. You won't leave her, sir, while I run out for half an hour. If I thought you would.' Mr. Pettibone was instant and earnest in avowing his purpose of guarding the sick-room against further intrusion. But still the cautious Miss Sedgwick hesitated. "'Somebody might call to see you, sir, and while you were downstairs, take advantage.' "'You could put the baby on the bed, Silas, and lock the door,' suggested Mrs. Pettibone. There was an eager gleam in her eyes, which again halted the departing footsteps of authority. "'Better leave him just where he is,' the nurse said firmly. "'He is not hungry, and he is perfectly comfortable. "'If he should cry, please remember, "'a certain amount of crying is good for a baby.' 
her clear eyes fixed upon the minister appeared to demand some sort of guarantee of obedience oh, certainly said mr pettibone quite right i will leave the infant exactly as he is now placed in that crib i see you have him very firmly enmeshed oh perhaps i might better say constricted beneath his bed coverings oh i i beg your pardon i should have said the infant is quite comfortable miss sedgwick repeated with a touch of asperity do not disturb him during my absence the sound of her firm footsteps retreating down the passage followed later by a rustling descent of the stair and the distant closing of the front door marked a period during which mr pettibone sat by his wife's side decorously perusing a work on the social conscience while mrs pettibone very demure and bright-eyed watched a sunbeam coquetting with the muslin curtains now silas she said softly mr pettibone glanced down at her with a humorous smile but my dear philura he murmured that excellent person extracted an actual promise from me to-day possibly possibly she suspects us of collusion i fear i didn't get the trick of that tightly bandaged sheet over the infant's body um, let me read you an illuminating passage i've just lighted upon oh silas please i haven't half looked at him yet i feel exactly as if he was her baby she won't allow me to hold him anyway we can't afford to keep her any longer with mrs wessels in the kitchen i must begin to take care of him myself and do things please let me mr pettibone ruffled his iron-grey hair with an impatient hand i should like to give utterance to something forceful concerning mrs buckthorn he began of course i can guess the sort of thing she said to you this morning oh but it was all true i'm afraid murmured his wife i can't help feeling guilty and extravagant when i think of what i'm costing mr pettibone arose and very deliberately tiptoed his way across the room to the crib where lay his son peacefully asleep i am about to perjure myself i fear but i think we need to discuss this subject in the presence of the entire family with this remark he skilfully extricated the infant from his well-ordered blankets and bore him to the bed where he deposited him all pink and squirming at mrs pettibone's side oh silas she cried in an ecstasy i'm afraid you've waked him up oh do look at his eyes he's looking straight at you i wonder if his eyes will be dark like yours they're blue now oh just see and his hair is curly right on top of his head oh you darling uh, speaking of expense pursued mr pettibone logically he's worth all the cost isn't he to you and to me and i shall never forget that he nearly cost you your life if i had lost you mrs pettibone hid her eyes in the baby's neck i'd forgotten it already she murmured it seemed a sacrilege to mention anything so sordid as money at such a moment but after a period of blissful contemplation the minister produced a roll of soiled bills from his pocket filthy lucre he announced amounting to one hundred and fifty-three dollars oh silas 
on account of arrears on my salary he exulted our good brother george trimmer handed it to me last evening after prayer meeting he tells me he hopes to have the full amount by the end of the month mrs pettibone drew the blanket softly about the baby with gentle little pats and cuddles oh i'm ashamed of myself she said why because i ought to have known the money would come i ought never to doubt or be afraid of anything now that i have you and him no you ought not he agreed a humorous smile touching his grave lips and you mustn't do you know i find myself singularly dependent on you miss philura for my spiritual uplift whereat they both laughed in memory of old days happily past now and well-nigh forgotten another proof that a beneficent providence has not failed us my dear appears in the fact that your house is rented at last oh silas she said again really indubitably and your new tenants have paid their first month's rent in advance here it is less deacon scrimger's lawful commission and the fee to the boston agent who really disposed of the house for you he paused to observe his wife's face glorified with a look of rapture which the insignificant sum of money he placed in her hand failed to explain it's for the baby she said out of the encircling good end of chapter six